no. Way to tell us. Turn the organ on and then plug it in. No. Ah, that's it.
keep this lighting ritual ceremonial assembly required lamp. Just keep the blue. What? I just blew it out. Oh. You just blew out the ceremonial ritual assembly required lamp. This is a special birthday assembly required for Vaughn. It will be a birthday present at the end of it. A surprise. So hang around.
little Australian birthday song. It's traditional. Stay tuned for that birthday surprise. surprise. That's right. That was hasn't not come it. up yet. Hasn't come up yet. Jack a dull boy. Ever since there have been boys or girls or men or women, there has been the desire for play. Perhaps, as many people think, there is an actual need for it. And from the earliest times, play and game have meant some sort of ball game. Some scientists think that the first use of a ball was in connection with old religious rites. One ancient historian believed that people played ball on foodless days to forget hunger. But everyone will agree that it is natural to throw things. And what is more natural than to throw, to throw than a ball? An earnest speaker declared that monkeys swung at coconuts with branches of trees in the Garden of Eden. We cannot be sure of such a tale, but the British Museum contains a ball more than 30 centuries old, its leather cover is stuffed with papyrus, a sort of parchment. In America, ball games were played long before the white man arrived. The Indians played lacrosse which might involve an encounter between two whole tribes. Braves in their war paint would meet for the contest, with as many as a thousand men on a side, and goals would be set up, perhaps as much as half a mile apart. One can well imagine that this contest was battle as well as sport. In the United States, a little more than a hundred years ago, ball games were played without any particular rules or form. Each village was likely to play a game with regulations different from those of the next town. Boys of all ages played rounders, poisoned ball, round ball, scrub, town ball, gold ball, one old cap, two old cap, or some other contest that might have lacked a name or even a standard method of play. But all of these games left much to be desired. In rounders, the batter was retired if a hit ball was caught on the fly or on the first bound, or if any of the four batsmen was hit by a thrown ball when he was running between posts that marked the playing field. The player was then replaced by the man who had put him out. Thus there was no team play or team spirit. One old cap required three players, each fielding and batting in turn, a run being scored when the batter could go to a marker and back without being thrown out. Two old cat involved four players, three old cat had six players, and four old cat used eight but there was still no chance for team spirit. Town ball had 15 or more players on the side, but the rules varied from place to place. Team play was now possible, but the large number of players and the lack of clearly understood rules meant that accidents were numerous. In fact, this game required a considerable amount of courage to play. 
and a runner could be retired by hitting him with a thrown ball. And since there were no rules as to the materials that could be packed into the ball, this retirement was sometimes for a very long time. Hitting the runner was called burning or soaking. The only good part of this method was that it prevented arguments with the officials. If a runner had to be carried from the field after he had been burned, there was no doubt but that he was out. Yet this confused, dangerous type of playing ball might have continued for many years longer if it had not been for a young man named Abner Doubleday. Abner was born on June 26, 1819. Very close to the very, very close to the anniversary indeed. In a New York State community that had the suggestive name of Ballston Spa. Actually, the village had not been named in honor of the sporting interests of its people, but after an early settler, the Reverend Eliphalet Ball, or Eliphalet Ball, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that name. One of the first settlers was the grandfather of Stephen A. Douglas, the Illinois senator whose political arguments with Abraham Lincoln were to become famous as the Lincoln-Douglas debates. This goes on and on. <laughs> On July 1st, 1842, Abner Doubleday was graduated from the United States Military Academy, his graduation rank being number 24 in a class of 56. He was given temporary commission, brevet as it is called, a second lieutenant and a third artillery. He served in the garrison at Fort Johnston, North Carolina from 1842 until 1844. Later, in 1844, he was assigned to Fort McHenry in Maryland. Only 30 years earlier, an American lawyer named Francis Scott Key had been imprisoned aboard a British ship that was bombarding the same Fort McHenry during the War of 1812, and when, after a night of heavy firing, Key could happily see that the American banner was flying above the battered fort, he wrote that glorious anthem, the Star-Spangled Banner. Which opens every ballgame today. Which every ballgame today, that's right. After a few months in Maryland, 2nd Lieutenant Doubleday was assigned to Fort Moultrie, South Carolina. Fellow members of his regiment were the future, future generals John F. Reynolds, William T. Sherman, War is Hell, and George Thomas of the Rock of Chickamauga. Malga. It was in the year of Doubleday's graduation from West Point that baseball reached New York in 1842. The Knickerbocker Baseball Club of New York was formed in that year, although it did not get down to the business of actually playing at that time. I should go back and pick up the actual birth of baseball. In the spring of 1839, Cadet Doubleday spent a vacation in Cooperstown with his old school friends. The confused and disorderly ball games that the boys were playing disturbed the well-ordered mind of the West Pointer. The game stretched over, stretched over an undefined area of ground, and collisions of players were frequent, involving players on the same team, who had no clearly designated sections to patrol, as well as players in different games that overlapped on the same field. <laughs> Outfielders, or scouts as they were then called, in different games often got in each other's way. The confusion was increased by constant, constant argument about rules. One day, during a ball game on the old finny pasture on the western outskirts of the village, Abner outlined in the dirt an approximation of the now-familiar diamond layout. He indicated the locations of the players, who were limited to 11 men aside, with two men being stationed between first and second base, and two between second and third base. 
He also sketched a memorandum of rules for this new game, which he called Baseball, as the field consisted of four bases, including home base. Abner Graves and, the, and other young men of Cooperstown tried to popularize this new game, and they taught it to boys at various schools in the neighborhood. It cannot be said that the regulated game was instantly accepted with enthusiasm, for some of the boys felt they would rather make up the rules as they went along in a good old-fashioned way. Nobody is going to tell me how to play. Do you think I'm still in the schoolhouse? And to some of the youths, this new game, new game seemed sissy stuff. But the game was given a thorough workout on the old militia muster lot several hundred yards northeast of the courthouse, or in Mr. Ben Bennett's field south of Butsego Academy, or in the Miller's Bay neighborhood or up the lake. Actually, the game was still only for the bravest of lads. There were no gloves, and the catcher lacked any protective equipment. The only requirements were bat and ball, which could be of any description, size, or weight. The first baseballs were made of rubber strips cut from old rubber shoes covered with leather. Batters had the most fun out of this early baseball. They could order the pitcher to place the ball wherever they wanted it, and there was no limit as to the number of throws made before the batter found an offering to his liking. The pitcher's function was to give batters the chance of hitting that old apple. The catcher had the really dangerous position. He was supposed to stand close to home base, but without glove and mask and the rest of the backstop's armor of today, casualties were numerous. The catcher usually stood at a safe distance behind the batter when no one was on base, but if there were runners, the catcher was expected to stand as close to the batter as he dared. Cadet Abner Doubleday himself was the first catcher, for a military man must have the necessary courage for anything. And besides, hadn't he invented his whole idea? Just thought we'd take a little historical moment there before we try and get to the big surprise here. But Keith first is going to go and look and see if he can actually play Surprise coming up. Oh boy, she says. Big surprise. Oh boy. Can I eat it? No anarchy, you can't eat it. She's not excited anymore. I can try. Are you ready for the big surprise here? This is the surprise, the one you've been waiting for. The big birthday the surprise. The big birthday surprise. Here it goes. going to try and play.
of the few times you will ever hear that piano on an improv tape. What? It's usually a fourth. must be another secret birthday surprise. Oh.
Your sister cannot get the hematoma to go. It don't fit my nose. <laughs>